say a believing amen. All right. Have you welcomed your neighbor to service today? Just give a smile to somebody and say it's good to sit beside you. Praise God. I said praise God. We started last Sunday by discussing the need for us to build um, a firm foundation for our marital destinies and marital relationships. Matthew chapter 7, we took a text from verse 24 down. Jesus said, uh, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a man who built his house on the rock. He said the wind came, the flood came, and everything beating upon it, and he said the house was able to stand. And he said whoever hears these sayings of mine and refused to do them, it's like a man who built his house on the sand. And he said when the wind, the flood, and the storm will come, the house will come down. And he said great shall be the fall of that house. Uh, from building uh, a business to building um, a marriage to building our lives generally. Because we are from God and we established last Sunday that also marriage is God's idea. Whatever we then use to build our marriage must be other raw materials that come from God. If your marriage will not be like fish out of water, which may not be able to survive, then you must build the marriage uh, from, with other things that come from the mind of God, and such are things, principles from his word. Today, I want to build upon that discussion of last week by looking at how do we build friendship in marriage? How, how do we become deliberate about building friendship in marriage? And I'd love to uh, bring somebody up to speed this morning by jacking you up to certain understanding. One is that friendship in marriage is never automatic. It's never automatic. Some people think that if you're married to someone, you're just automatically going to become friends with them. No. No. We have realized that it's never automatic. Secondly, is that you can be in love with someone without being friends with them. Yeah. You can be in love with someone or you can love somebody without being in any significant friendship with them. That's why you can feel some measure of love to somebody that you have only worked together with for two weeks. So we call it love. But time will not permit me today uh, to elucidate this um, you know, very strongly like I would really love to do. Uh, the word that we translate love to love um, in the English language is very limited in its expression. So... Um, the New Testament, for instance, was written originally in Greek. And in the Greek language, there's so many words that the English Bible just translates to love, love. So John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the word translated love there is the Greek, I mean the word agapao, which is agape, which is unconditional love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So he didn't die because we we did anything right. Okay? Yeah, he didn't die because we were always smiling at him. He didn't die because we were, we were good people. While we were yes sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So that is, that is unconditional love. That is agape. Another uh, word translated love in the English language is the word filio. Or philia, as the case may be. Which is the... Uh, re affectionate love, you know, this tender love that exists, that, that can, it, it makes you desire friendship with someone. 
it, there's nothing sensual about it. That's the kind of love that exists between two people of the same sex. So there's a new ayah in your office, a young dude, you know, guy, and you are also a guy, and you just feel like you can be friends. And you give the right foot of fellowship, like we say, or the right hand of fellowship. Yeah. And then the person starts to, you know, and then before you know it, you're hanging out, having lunch together, you know, and all that. Because you just feel like, this is a cool dude, you know. Yeah. And you're not gay by any chance. Because <laughs> I need to draw the line. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's just a non-sensual, you know, not sexual, not, there's nothing like that. It's just that kind of love that exists between, I mean, you see that kind of love, I think, in, uh, um, in the book of First Samuel. First uh, Samuel 18, when you read from verse 1 to 3, you read about Jonathan and David. In First Samuel 18, from verse 1 to 3, uh, let me read from verse 1. It said, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, talking about uh, 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 Jonathan, the soul of Jonathan was neat to the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house. That's David. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan just saw a cool dude, you, you understand? It's just a, this guy is just, just a great guy, you know? Just a wonderful guy, wonderful guy, connected with uh, David and to the point that he won't jeopardize his relationship with his father, neither will he jeopardize his relationship with David, but he stood in between both of them and made the, the, a good balance to help David uh, secure his relationship with Saul, his own father. Though Jonathan knew that he was supposed to be the one to take over the throne from his father, but God has chosen David. He loved David enough to give him, you know, the right of way to be able to take over the throne. That, that, that kind of love where, you know, two of you are supposed to be promoted to become general manager. But you don't mind if your friend becomes general manager because you know your own turn will come. So you're you not praying fire prayer for them. You didn't do anything. You, you understand? You didn't write any spurious petition. Or allegation against them, you know, or that kind of love. You just, you just know that this, this is, a, nah, this is a good person. That, that is filial. There, there's, there's another kind of love, you know, uh, that, that is called uh, storage. That is the kind of that's family, family, the kind of love that exists between siblings, you know, parent to children. I remember many years ago, a lady walked up to me and said, uh, uh, "Pastor, the guy I'm dating said, you know, if I really love him." I will sleep with him because that's the proof of our love for one another. And I said, go and ask him. Ask him, do you love your mother? He said, yes. When was the last time you made love to your mother? Because if that's what proves love, then you should prove your love. Or don't go and prove it to your sister. Storage is that family love. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I, I get such inspirations and I use them. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, that, that's a love between family. The last one is eros. That's the erotic love. That word eros is where we get the English word erotic from. And some people in their own mind, they think that's the only kind of love that exists. Have you met such people before? Those are the kind of people that will say, except you sleep with me, you don't love me. In their own dictionary or in their own mind, there's only one kind of love, and that kind of love is erotic, is eros. There's no 
filial, there's no agape, there's, there's nothing like sturge, you know. It's just erotic. That, that's the mind frame that uh, I think, um, um, what's his name? Uh, um, Amnon had. So that the erotic, the chemistry between Amnon and Tamar in 2 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel, I think, uh, chapter 15 or so. Yeah, no, 2 Samuel 13. 2 Samuel 13, one of the sons of David started feeling chemistry for a daughter of David from this, another mother. Yeah, Tamar. Tamar happened to be Absalom's uh, sister. And then, you know, the kind of friends that you have sometimes will, can make or mar your destiny. So Amnon spoke to some of his friends and he said, ah, let's give you wisdom. Tell your father that you are sick. And then let's tell, tell him that Tamar should come and serve you food. You, you, you see that in, in, you know, in that uh, second Samuel 13 there. Then Amnon asked Tamar to come and serve. Uh, David said, go and serve your brother food. And when she got it, uh, Amnon said, everybody, leave us alone. Just me and my sister. Bring the food closer. Bring it closer. Before you know it, he grabbed her. But the Bible says before that time, he really loved her. But it's only the erotic love. See, there's something about, the thing about erotic love is this. See all these models that you see in magazine. Eh? And if you know the amount of work that went into making them look the way they look, they hire the best hairstylist, the best makeup artist, the best light engineer, because they have to light the place in such a way. Then they put some fan or blower to blow the hair in this direction. Because <laughs> you think, how come my own wife's hair does not flow like that? If you, if you know what goes into a photo shoot that creates those things that you see on the pages of a magazine, in fact, if your wife wants to do it, you tell her it's not that bad. Leave it. You can't put this, all this kind of effort. It's too much. See, that's their own job. It's their profession. Except your spouse is a model. Don't, don't expect them to look like what you see on those magazines. And you know some people, just holding the magazine like this, your body is shaking. That's how flimsy erotic love is. Yeah. That you, 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 you are going to launch and somebody just walks past you. You say, who is that babe? I love her. Love it about her. <laughs> <laughs> How kind of love is that? That's what I mean. Sorry I spoke here, Robert. The thing is just, uh, it just came out. You know, what, what kind of love is that? Do you, do you just love people like that? <laughs> For such people, the only thing they interpret love is whatever moves their body. As in, how do you just love people like that? And see, that's, that's, that's the problem. When you build your marital relationship only based on chemistry, the marriage is disposable because chemistry is very flimsy and transient. Yeah. So my encouragement from last Sunday is that we'll build our marital relationships on, at least let's start from filial, which is the friendship law. What God wants for every believer is that you engage the God kind of love, which is called agape, which is unconditional. So people don't have to behave well before you love them. That's the kind of love that Christ has for us. So even when you're doing all the nonsense things in this world, Jesus still loves you. It's unconditional. It's not based on behavior. It's based on a decision. I've decided to love, and I've decided to love. That's what God said. But 
Before we get to that point, we should at least build a marital foundation that is on filial, which is, you know, the, 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 the friendship love, the affectionate love that, 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 that can, you know, that you can then layer errors on top of it. Because if you put errors as foundation and lay this one on top of it, that one, when it fizzles away, every other thing will just collapse. But if you put this as a first layer and you start to layer the, 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 the attraction and everything on top of it, when attraction fades, something will still remain. You know, today you hear people say something like, you know, I don't love you again. I'm no longer attracted to you. And then they'll say, okay, so um, we should make the first move for divorce or separation because we don't love each other again. And all they're talking about is eros. That they're no longer attracted to each other. But because that's the only thing upon which the foundation for the marriage is based on, then it's easy to just call it quit from that point. And that's why many marriages are just breaking like that and falling apart like a pack of cards. Today, I want to, I want to discuss um, a few things on how to, uh, on tips on building friendship in marriage, and building friendship in our relationships. But before I, get, I go into that, uh, I would love to reestablish again the fact that one, Friendship in marriage is not automatic. And you can love someone, especially erotic love, without being their friend. Yeah. You can. You can. You can love someone without being their friend. In fact, you can have a strong spiritual foundation with someone. And you may still not be paying attention to building real friendship. Yeah. But because we both feel, I mean, especially if you're uh, in a, in a, a mature believer, mature follower of Christ. You prayed about this person. You want to marry this person. God is leading you to this person. And he also said, God has spoken to them. And on the strength of that, you are moving on. The tendency is that you move on that strength only. But if you don't do the practical things that will make you friends, it will challenge what you hear. Seriously. And sometimes, if your conviction, you know, becomes very weak, you start to doubt. Maybe God didn't even speak to me. Because when we start to fight all the time, then you ask ourselves the question, are we sure we hate God? Yeah. I mean, when two people come to me for counseling and they just finish slapping each other and they're doubting whether they hate God or not, I tell them, you had God. It's you. Both of you that have problems. You know God. See, God can give somebody a gift. How you manage the gift is a different ballgame. So I need husband, I need wife, and God gave you somebody. Now you are mismanaging the gift and you are saying maybe God didn't speak to me. How? There's, there are skills that are necessary if I'm going to manage the gift well. You know where the real problem is? Every weekend, every Saturday, every Friday, all around the cities of the, cities of the world, people go to registry or come to church. They walk down the aisle and pastor joins them together and it's based on a commitment. Say I do. And they just say I do to the things they don't have the capacity to do. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Many people say, I do to things that... They... <laughs> you know, you cannot honor commitment that you have not prepared for. Yeah. For some people, when they stand here and they say, I do, let me tell you how it looks like. And they say, I do, and everybody believes they will be able to do it. It's like 
a jobless broke person promising you five million naira at month end. He has no capacity and perhaps no plans to get the money. <laughs> it's just promise. Promise is the least. See, when somebody tells you, I'm going to change, you know the next thing you're supposed to look at is, okay, so what have you signed up for the process of change? Outside of that, it's just promise. Promise has no power in itself to fulfill itself. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. And many people would say, we're going to get better. We're going to get better. How are we going to get better? I remember a time my wife told me once, she said, you see, there's no need to promise. <laughs> Don't bother to promise me because I know it's not going to work. As in she has looked, looked, looked. There's nothing around me that shows that the promise will happen. As in when you break somebody's heart, and you apologize, and they tell you it's okay. And you're saying, don't worry, it won't happen again. And he said, don't add that one to it. <laughs> it's better you don't add that one to it. It's just okay. Now I've put my gear into agape. I just love you the way you are. There's no point promising me that you will change. I mean, you know, there was a time I would tell my wife, today I'll get home at 7. And then... I'll get home at 10 p.m. And she'll be looking, you know, and I'll say, I'll say that, I'll, I'll be no, you know, sorry. Something happened, this one happened, that one happened. So after a while, she just made up her mind. She said, there's no point. Don't even tell me that it's not going to happen again. Yeah. I don't have faith to waste <laughs> on you. <laughs> I'll just rather accept you the way you are than to... And you see... It was at that point that personally, I mean, for myself, I started to think that, is your case this bad? You know? And then you, you, you try to build the thing again by putting a lot of effort into it by coming in early so that when you say you will come, they will know that you will come. You, you understand what I'm saying? Is that effort, is the... Let me show you a scripture just to buttress what I'm saying. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. And verse number 8. Proverbs 14 and verse number 8. I read from the New International Version. Proverbs 14 and verse 8. It says, wisdom, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Another word for ways is steps or paths. Or behaviors. Singles, hear me. I know I'm digressing a bit. I'm going to come back on track. Singles, hear me. Whenever somebody, you're, you're dating somebody, and all you can see, see and say is, oh, his best color is blue, and that's my own too. Verse 15 of this Proverbs 14 describe, uh, describes you. Verse 15 says, the simple believes anything. But the prudent gives thought to their steps. See that was steps again. Steps. Yeah. Steps, parts, behaviors. Those are the things that actually show whether something is going to change or not. He said, oh, so how come your last relationship didn't work out? Don't mind the girl, you know. She was just, um, too, she nags a lot. So I slapped her. 
And uh, I apologize to her, but she won't just accept. So we went our separate ways. So how am I sure you're not going to slap me? No, I, I can promise you right now. Promise. What do I want to do? <laughs> you know I'm coming from somewhere. Promise. A lot of singles take promise. <laughs> it's not promise you should take. It's steps, process. It's, a <laughs> it's, a, it's paths that somebody's following. It's, you know, are we signing up? So that's, that's what I'm saying today. For us to build a strong relationship as singles and as married people, we must endeavor to lay a strong foundation into the relational side of the relationship of the marriage. And, uh, 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 how do we build friendship in marriage? How do we build friendship before we get into, you know, even the marital relationship? Because you can start to build friendship. Some people start to build friendship before they, 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 they get married, but they when they get into marriage, then they think that friendship will just continue automatically, so they stop, and everything will start crashing. And there will be a lot of fighting, infighting, lack of patience with each other and all that. The things you can take from your friends, you won't take it from your spouse because you are not really friends. Many years ago, after a few years in marriage, my wife and I had a good talk one day. I can't remember whether it was our fourth or fifth year of marriage. Where we just realized that, you know the truth? Let's not continue to deceive ourselves. We are not friends. We are married quite a while, but we are not friends. Yeah. Because we met each other. I liked her. Initially, she didn't like me. Or not that she didn't like me, but she couldn't make up her mind whether she wanted to marry me. And the moment me, I like her, I felt there's nothing to waste time about. Yeah, I mean, I was, was in my late 20s. Um, I was um, a pastor in a big church. Only two of us were singles on the pastor's board. So when they're discussing marital things, they, they make fun of us. They tell us to cover our hairs. And it was becoming very embarrassing. People were calling me to say, Pastor, there are many girls in this church. How come? What's your problem? You know, and all. So the pressure was building. So the moment I saw her, the next thing I just told her, after a while that we, you know, we started seeing, I mean, not, not seeing as in dating, no. As in just see. <laughs> I don't know the right word to use. But after I started seeing her, I just seen. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I, just, I just told her, you know, it looks like I, I love you. I want to marry you. And she, she was like, uh, um, so what is your answer? It was neither yes nor no. And after I took it for a while, I couldn't take it again. I was like, is that you say yes or no? Because I want to move on. And then we dragged it. And after a while, we just decided, I mean, uh, got a long story short, I think God taught her heart. <laughs> I have no explanation for <laughs> what happened. And then she decided to go out with me, and our dating relationship started. But because my mind was on marriage, everything she tried to do to make us build our friendship, it wasn't working for me. When I, what's the date? When am I meeting your parents? You know, ladies used to ask for when am I meeting, this time around I was the one pushing. But I remember one Christmas she was going home, I bought a gift for her mother. She confessed to me later that she didn't give her mother. Because she didn't know how to tell her mother that somebody sent you a gift. Me, I wanted to fast track everything. So that fast tracking mode was what we got into marriage with. And the first two, three years of our marriage, you know, we were just doing everything. I had our first baby, you know, everything, everything, everything. No attention on building this relationship at all. So we could be at home all through the weekend and uh, 
we won't say more than. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Is there fuel in the generator? Yes. Yeah. Those are the kind of. Uh, 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 so when you go out, buy pampas for your daughter because she has finished that one. Okay, I beg. That, those were the kind of things we discussed. Because real friendship is about emotional connection. Sharing stuff in your heart with your spouse. And being vulnerable with each other. That's real friendship. Singles, you want to build real friendship? My tips for you, singles. Don't get physical too fast. In fact, the real end of physical, delay it into marriage. You know what happens? When you, get, when you start to get physical, it has a way, friendship is like making a sentence. Being physical, physically intimate, either puts a comma or a full stop. The flow is not good again. You know, it's not just, they're not just flowing. It punctuates the process of friendship. It switches the foundation into that. When I'm thinking of, I'm going to see my fiancé later in the day, if all I'm thinking about is how I'm going to hug her and the kind of shock that will come into my body <laughs> when I hug her. <laughs> if that's all I'm thinking about, I'm not thinking about how, I mean, the kind of discussions we're going to have, you know, how we're going to share, you know, our aspirations together, you know, what's going on in our career, and uh, what am I going to well, join her to pray about, you know, and all that. What, 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 what has she seen, maybe on social media, that, you know, that was fun, and she wanted to share it with me, or things like that. If there's nothing like that, or she, she just saw a, a picture of her childhood, and she's showing me, and we're laughing about it, she's telling me about some things that happened when she was back in school, in high school or something. But all we think about is we hug each other, rush into somewhere, and start tearing each other's clothes. That's the, that if we put that first, and it's the foundation, it's going to be a lot of problems ahead. So we need to pay attention to the kind of foundation we build. So for singles, I'll say delay being physical. And one of the things that will help you from delaying what I mean being physical is don't move in together. Somebody may be asking, Pastor, why are you saying this? This is a church now. Yes, it's a church. I know. People know they're not supposed to move together, but yet they're moving together. And I'm aware. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah, I'm aware. Don't move in together. Don't move in together. Don't move in together. You can build this friendship we're talking about without moving in together. Yeah. And if you, whether you're moving in together permanently or part-time, it's not, it's not good. Don't move in together over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I need to, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I said practical tips. Yeah. Practical tips. And uh, the Bible says we should flee every appearance of evil. So moving together, I mean spending weekends together gives your flesh the capacity to manifest under closed heaven and closed doors. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's, 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 that's just it. And I don't know about you, maybe people, young men in this generation are holier than us. When I was dating, you cannot trust me with a damn cell overnight. I'm just telling you the truth. I will misbehave. No, no, no. no, no. 
You laugh at me if you want. But I will, I, I, God man, I can be. You, <laughs> you cannot trust me with a beautiful lady that I'm attracted to for us to spend the night together in an apartment alone. And I won't say more than that. So, don't put yourself in that position. Secondly, you want to build friendship as dating, you know, couples or intending couple. Look for the areas of struggle. Somebody is struggling financially and is heavily indebted or something. Build friendship around helping the person to resolve it before you marry. At least let them gain speed in resolving it before you get married. Look at the responses you are getting. If instead of the indebtedness reducing, it's going up. It means that your values will not align and you don't, you, you, you don't have any influence over them. And that's how it's going to snowball into marriage. And what you are complaining about in courtship is what you complain about in marriage. Things, not, nothing new happens in marriage. A lot of the times, the things I will ask all these married people around you, the things we fight about before we marry are the things we still fight about in marriage. He doesn't keep the time, so we fight about it. Uh, you know, his, his mother is the one always dictating for him. His mother has been dictating before you got into marriage. If he will not solve that, his mother problem. In, it will show up in marriage, and his mother will be the Margaret Thatcher of your home. Simple. It's very simple. If it's mommy's boy when you met him, marriage will not change him from being mommy's boy. Are you coming along with me? extremely important. So, use the friendship period or the courtship period to build your friendship. A friend speaks the truth to another friend. A friend inspires another friend to want to change. So, now that you are so indebted because you are not managing your finances very well, can I give you this Excel spread? It's about budgeting and account balancing. So you balance your finances with it and start to balance your life too with it. As we discuss it together, we're building friendship. When we meet, you know, after work, those are the kind of things, you know, how do you get better? How do I, do you get, get what I'm saying? The friend that loves you wants you to be better. This one that we're just sweeping everything under the carpet. So, so that, that uh, money that you're owing, uh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, how much is the interest on it? And don't worry, don't worry. God is taking care of it. Let's just have fun. Let's enjoy ourselves. That's, that's, that's whatever habit somebody is dealing with. Let's deal with it together and see how we're turning out and build friendship on top of it as we prepare for marriage. Is that okay? I said, is that okay? Let me, let's talk about, you're already married. You're married and maybe you're like me. You discover that there's no strong friendship between you and your spouse and you want to do something about it. The last seven years, my wife and I, uh, seven to eight years, we've been building friendship. From the fifth year or so of our marriage, we realized that we weren't really friends, and we started to build it gradually. Some of the things that we do are the things I want to share with you today. One, take interest in is our interest. is our job, friends, hobbies, and so on. Take interest in them. When I started to take interest in the things really interested my wife or interest my wife, I realized that we started to connect better. Yeah, we started to connect better. I, I showed a lot of interest, you know, in, see, let me give, 
from simple things like you just got home and your wife is watching Telemundo. And you hissed and walk away. Like on serious people are the only kind of people that watch this. There's one they call Z Ward. So for you to know I'm current. Z Ward. Ladies watch Z Ward a lot now, Abby. And some of the men, what's on your mind is that how can somebody be this jobless and unserious? That's what some men think. And if this is what interests my spouse, and she's going to watch it for one hour, if I just stay for 15 minutes to even see what they're saying there. So that when you say, uh, give me one character in Z-Word, one character. Talk now. Yeah? Mali. Bali. You say, ah, see, Bali, Bali was just saying, he was just saying something. You don't even know who Bali is. <laughs> How do we connect if we don't have mutual interest or if we're, if we're not showing interest in, I mean, vice versa. You know, the premierships opened a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Now, you don't know the manager of the club that your husband supports. So he's saying Wenga, Wenga. You don't even know whether his anger is saying or Wenga, you don't know. <laughs> and when he says, see, 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 see Wenga's selection, see, what does that mean to you? That's Wenga has a selection. What, what does that mean to you? Is it, you know, so your husband mentioned the name of a player on his team. You don't know who that is. That's, there shouldn't be too many things that are pulling us apart. There will be more things that pull us together. And if I know such things, such terminology, such things that interest them, we have more rallying points. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The whole idea is let's increase the rallying point. They won't, everything will not bring us together, but the things that bring us together should be more than the things that pull us apart. All in agreement, say hi. hi. Good, we're together. So, let's take interest. Take interest in your spouse's career and job. Yeah, my wife's last job, uh, she, she was in financial services and, um, uh, um, you know, all this um, foreign exchange stuff. So she comes home and say, talks about a blotter, you know, talk about um, bidding. I had to learn all those things. I knew what it means to bid for FX. I knew what it means to set up a blotter, you know. And so when she says a, a blotter was messing up at work today or something went wrong with it, I, I, I had an idea what she was talking about. You cannot empathize with somebody that you don't understand what they're saying. And singles hear me. It starts from somebody's dating you. And you say, so what do you do? You say, oil and gas. <laughs> you, should, you, you need to ask them, is it palm oil, diesel, or which one? Just, just to be sure. That's where it starts from. <laughs> and so, so you, you, you come to you say, ah, oh, so that's my boyfriend. What does he do? Oil and gas. <laughs> you have no idea. What oil and gas meant to him? What aspect of oil and gas is doing? You don't know. All your own is just buy me a Gucci bag because oil and gas boy. That's all. You are laying the wrong foundation for that marriage. Because the day the person comes and says, this went wrong at work today, this went wrong with my business, you don't even understand what the person is talking about. You had no idea. There's no rallying point. But you call each other on the phone and we're talking about something that has to do with my job and you understand what I'm saying. You should know the, some people that I work with. Because that, th th those, th those are the things that will bring us together. And up, on top of that, we can start to build friendship. Secondly, develop shared interest. Try to find things you have in common. 
so you can spend time together. Develop shared interest. Shared interest. What are the things? See, two people cannot be together and there's, there's, there's nothing they have in common. How? There has to be something. See that you love singing and I love singing, so we sing together. You understand what I'm saying? You love poetry and I love poetry, so we write poems to each other or criticize each other's poem. Yeah. There has to be something that I love and that you also love. We need to discover it as part of our effort at building friendship in our marriage. So we discover it, we capitalize on it because it's a rolling point for us. It brings us together. So develop you know, shared interests and try to find things that you have in common. and Spend time together with it. Make each other laugh. Share jokes with each other. There's power in laughing together. Like I was saying at the Island Church earlier, one of the ways you know that you are fast becoming friends with your spouse. I mean, that's the Island Church, Milan Church, yeah. Fast becoming friends with your spouse is when you get, I think I said it here last Sunday too, when you get a joke, a powerful joke on social media, or somebody WhatsApp you. You read a joke. It was hilarious. You were, you know, shedding tears. You send it to three or five people, and none of them is your spouse. You are in trouble. How do I mean you are in trouble? Your spouse is not your friend. That's the truth. Because if you laugh together, you will send it to your spouse. It, your spouse will be one of the first three that you send it to. If not the first, at least the first three. Yeah. Except you only share crass jokes that you know you will, to reveal your heart to your spouse. Because some people's jokes that is pedo, you know this one. How can a believer be peddling this kind of joke? Yeah, that's the only reason why you, you probably won't send it to your spouse. If not, I mean, I'm talking about a clean joke that brought laughter to you. You want to share it with your spouse. That's what shows that, you know, we're building friendship. And then we'll do more things that will make us laugh together. Next, have mutual friends. Mutual friends are like mutual interests. They keep you spending time together. You see, my own friends want us to do this together. And our own friends want us to do this with them. So we go our separate ways and we start to grow apart. If we have not all our friends, maybe mutual friends, but a huge number of our friends should be friends that we can do things together with and with our spouse. It goes a long way to help us to build friendship in marriage. Parent your children together. That's another tip. Parent your children together. I found that very fascinating. When I started, I thought I was a mumu. As in M-U-M-U original. You understand what I'm saying? Real mumu. Because my wife would say, uh, um, so, uh, this particular day that you're less busy, you're, you're going to back our, our daughter and do this and do that. And as, I'm doing, I mean, as I was doing it, one part of my mind will be telling me, not every man does this. You are just a mumu. <laughs> Another part of my mind will be telling me, this is the right thing to do. This is how to be a man. This is your daughter, and you have to participate. And I decided to go with that one. And especially because my pastor also told me that he does it. So it was easier for me. And I've reaped great dividend from that. You see, kids can either pull us apart or bring us together. 
depending on how we approach parenting. We parent together, they will bring us together. Yeah. Discussing our kids can be something of, if it's something of mutual interest, it's something that can become a rallying point for us. So parent your kids together. Take some time off just for the two of you. Just for two of you. Yeah. When, when we start to have kids, all the family time that we have is always loaded plus the children. And at the end of the day, you realize that most of the time it's all about them. Yeah. You go on family vacation, it's all about the kids. You just want them to be to have fun, you know, and all that. You take them to places where adults don't have fun, only children have fun. Yeah. Have you taken your kids to amusement park before? And then you went on the ride with them and they had to be pouring water on your head because you fainted. And the kids were shouting and they were excited and you, you were fainting. Because at your age, you shouldn't be going on this kind of thing. That makes people's face. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, because it's all about them. Outside of that, take time just for the two of you. Just the two of you. Just the two of you. It's very important. Sometimes it's just a weekend. Sometimes it's just a time during the day. It's very important. Just the two of you. Compliment your spouse often. That's what friends do. Yeah. You, you know you just appear with a new handbag. And your friends will be, ah, ah, madam, the madam. This bag, you know. Is that not what your friends do? Will you prefer that your husband does the same? Yeah. It's the same thing. Let's compliment each other. Let's compliment each other. Yeah, your husband is leaving home in the morning, you know, dressed in his uh, either native or suit, and he say, hey, dude, you look good. That's what we're talking about. And the man is leaving home and say, my wife has approved of me. All you ladies out there, if you don't approve, it's your problem. No, that's, that's what happens. Yeah, I look good. That's, that's, that's what happens. Let's compliment each other. That's what friends do to each other. Be sentimental. Say sweet nothings without sexual expectation. Part of being sentimental and saying sweet nothings is to call your spouse special name that is meant for them. Friends hail each other and they have nicknames for each other. Especially if they've come a long way. Am I saying the truth? That friends that I have now, as far as they are concerned, Godman is just a pastor in his church. When we meet, they, the way they hail me. What that shows is that these are the people who have come a long way. My relationship with them is not church member, church, pastor relationship. They are my friends, my buddies. You need, we need to form that kind of relationship with our spouses. How, how on earth will a man be calling his wife Yabeji? I don't know if you're guessing what I'm saying at all. So my wife's name is Bolanriwa. If all the people call her Bolanriwa, and some people in this church call her Pastor B, and I can't find any name to call her, call her Pastor B. For what now? She's my wife. This is Bay. You, you understand what I'm saying? She's even smiling right now. I mean, you know? So you, you can't just, you, your wife's name is Titi. Titi, how are you? Titi. No. It doesn't show that there's a special relationship between both of us. Yeah. 
Most of our friends don't call us our first name, especially if they have been your friends for a long time. They call you your nickname. And when they see you, they want everybody to know that they know you. So that's what they call you. So when somebody says sweetheart, when somebody says honey, sugar pie, you know what those things? It's to say that this one, we are different. Yeah. So you're here now in church. And you want to, somebody says, Sister Titi, and you to say Sister Titi, for what now? It just doesn't fit. And some people do it. And if you can't start from the pet names, then we can't go into real sweet nothing. It will look alien to you. And you, you, you can only build on that when you already have those pet names and all that. Practice vulnerability. Mark my word, I only said practice. Practice vulnerability. We get better with vulnerability. Vulnerability is about sharing my feelings. Don't let your conversation only be transactional. I was teaching this at the marriage course on Friday. Don't let your conversation only be transactional. We need money. Take Uh, tomorrow is a uh, boss's wedding. When are we going? What time will we leave home? Those are the kind of things some people discuss. So when we say you don't spend time with your spouse, some people think it's just being around them. When do you have emotional connection time? That's how to practice vulnerability. You know, there's a kind of relationship you can have is only shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. So that to show that relationship is just, we're just colleagues in this marriage, and we're always side by side. No. Face to face must accompany side, I mean side by side. Sometimes we're side by side, some other times we're face to face. That's when we practice vulnerability. So we're face to face. And we share our feelings with each other. That's what builds strength in our relationship. Respect each other's family. That's another tip. You cannot build friendship with somebody who disdains your family. Talks down on your parents. Abuse your siblings. So we need to, for the sake of the friendship we're trying to build, respect each other's family. If things have gone wrong with the family relationship in time past, let's forget, I mean, forgive and forget. Yeah. Somebody may still be having, I mean, a hang up on, the first time I came to your house, your father chased me. After five years of marriage, shouldn't you have forgotten that one? They chased you, but they accepted you back. No? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So let's, let's, let's leave that aside. Your sister, you know, didn't greet me well. Or your sister abused me you know, the day before our wedding, and now seven years in marriage, shouldn't you forget that and try to keep a good relationship with your in-laws? Because our relationship with our in-laws, you know, has a way of breaking down our own relationship if we don't take care of it very well. Let's not lie to ourselves. I am sentimental about my mom. If my wife will disdain my mom and disrespect her, it's making it more difficult for me to connect with her, with my wife. I'm, I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So for the sake of that, if, even if my mom, and you know, you can get the message I preached, I think last year, I think it was a switch service on in-laws, 
identify the fact that you have good in-laws, you have unreasonable in-laws, you have wicked in-laws. The details are in that message. You can get it. And from time to time, you get in-laws that are in all those different regions. Unreasonable in-laws put unreasonable expectations on you. Like a lady who walked up to me once and said, my father-in-law lives on the mainland. Every Sunday we come to church to worship God. When we finish, we go and worship my father-in-law. As in they have to go, not worship, forget, I'm just, <laughs> but they go to greet father-in-law every Sunday. This lady is tired of it. How? How can we, and the man insists, everybody must come to my house every Sunday. I mean, how do you love that kind of person? That's an unreasonable father-in-law. He's not wicked. Because he's not a wizard. He's not a witch. You understand? Some people are, in, let me not go into it. Get the message. Yeah, get the message. Get the message. And listen to that. For love or show respect and acceptance. And lastly, pray together. Pray together. Pray together. It may be once a week. It may be every day. It may be a special time once a month. But find time to pray together with your spouse. When we pray together, the foundation of spirituality has a way of affecting friendship. Yeah. That's a way of affecting friendship. We pray together. We share each other's prayer points. We build our friendship through praying together. Have you been blessed today? I said, have you been blessed today? You're blessed. Put your hands together and celebrate Jesus. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that whatever has not been planted by God that exists in your relationship, God is uprooting such in this season in the name of Jesus. Everyone who has experienced delay in fulfillment of marital destiny, I declare in the name of Jesus that the hold of delay is broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus, whatever needs to come to your mind, whatever you need to uh, know, whatever you need to learn, whatever wisdom that you need to have to be able to lay hold of your marital destiny, I decree that wisdom is released to you today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, whatever is putting pressure on your relationship, that is threatening the life of your relationship, I declare today the hold of such pressures are broken. Wisdom comes upon you to build good relationships, to build friendship in your marriage, in the name of the Lord Jesus. We declare today that pain, pains are healed in the name of Jesus. We receive special grace over someone here to let go of the past. It's difficult, but all things are possible by the grace that we receive from Jesus. Somebody lift your hand today and receive grace. Lift your hand all over this place and say, I receive grace. 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 Somebody need grace to be able to bear with the weakness of your spouse. Somebody needs grace to forgive and forget. Somebody needs grace to put something under the blood of Jesus. I receive grace. Somebody needs grace to contend with in-law issues. Receive grace. Receive grace today. Receive grace today. Receive grace today. When grace is supplied, things that are difficult become easy. They become easy. Lord, we thank you for the supply of your grace today. We thank you for the supply of your grace today. We bless you and we praise you. We ask that you take all the glory. We bless you, our Father. 
Can I request that we all bow down our heads for one moment? I'd love to pray for anyone in this.